Hey everybody, thanks for checking out Bleach Mouth Postscript. My name is Larry. On this podcast, I generally have a guest each episode and they come armed with five pieces of music. It can be a song, it can be an EP, it can be an LP, it does not matter what it is as long as we are talking about music. With that being said, we have way more than five songs. Way more than five songs. My guest is Max Ward. Max is uh, a buddy of mine who I became acquainted with in the 90s. Max is the... uh, Uh, record magnate <laughs> at 625 uh, he was in spaz uh, plutocracy what happens next and did a stint in meat shits I think I think I don't remember maybe it's been a while since I've talked to Max it's been a really long while since I've talked to him but I wanted to reach out to him because I knew he'd have some really uh cool songs and uh, cool bands to talk about and um, so I spoke with him um, through the magic of the internet because uh, Max lives in Japan so yeah it was a uh, uh, little wrangling to make this happen but um, I'm glad we did it was nice to catch up with him and hopefully uh, we can do it again soon anyway I hope you enjoy this uh, episode as much as I didn't Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it. Boom. I'm recording you now. Okay. Did it give you a a large message about it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm used to that. A lot of conferences these days are recorded. So that that, that always comes up as uh, authorizing it. Um, So I have to apologize my apartment is in between a, a main thoroughfare for cars and on the other side of the apartment is a subway like express train um and so hopefully it doesn't bleed in too much plus i have a cat and the cat's going to be very aggressive interested well not aggressive but just kind of right. needy and also interested in uh why the hell i'm talking to myself in this room so she's probably going to come in and and meow a few times so how long have you been in japan uh this time um just just uh going on a year because of the entry restrictions i was able to get in uh in late february of 2022 but i was scheduled to actually I mean, I was scheduled to come much earlier, but there was travel restrictions because of COVID. And then I was supposed to come in December. And that's when um, uh, Omicron uh, first hit. And so then they reinstated the travel restrictions and stuff. But I'm I'm back and forth since my my job is related to Japan. And so I'm I'm, you know, often here and then also my wife and i bought an apartment here so she's just going to stay here and be here the whole time so now now i'll be back for family reasons too oh okay that's pretty cool um i've never been i'd love to go someday i've told my wife i said you know there are a couple places i'd like to go australia being one of them and uh japan she goes uh what about japan i'm like i don't know just everything about just seems cool man like the cities, the countryside, everything, it just seems like it's cool. So I'll have to get out there someday, yeah. you know. 
Um, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's in the same time zone as Australia, at least if you're on the East Coast of Australia, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, and it's a 10 hour flight between the two, but it's not so bad because you're literally just going south. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're not crossing time. So if you know if you depart in the morning, you get in at evening and you just go to sleep and you're, you know, good to go the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so a lot of Australians and a lot of Kiwis come here. Yeah. So there's a you know, they're, they're, back in the 90s, it used to be really you used to see a lot more backpackers from there, you know, but a lot of the English teachers and a lot of like Japanese go to English programs that are on Australia and New Zealand. So sometimes you'll meet uh, you know, a younger Japanese person and they're speaking English to you, but with like a Australian accent, you know, <laughs> so, so you're like, whoa, that's, yeah, that's kind of shocking. You know, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> to think about. Um, it makes perfect sense though. You know, I yeah. mean, I don't know. Um, so your list is, uh, pretty big. Um, yeah, sorry about that. I, I just, you know, the, the, the songs are so short. You know? hey, no, it's it's fine. I tell people, <laughs> I just, I think this is the first time somebody, um, I guess, over prepared, and it's not a bad thing. I'm just breaking your balls. Um, yeah. Usually, I'm, people, I'm, I'm a professor, so I don't know what five I'm going to go with. I'm like, man, just pick five, and we'll go wherever. You know, it, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's just BSing. Um, I don't think I've spoken to you. Definitely haven't seen you since Spaz played it. Uh, Speaking tongues. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Sorry, she's already started. Come here. Oh, you know what? I didn't even hear. Her, you know. Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. speaking tongues, man. That's because you and I, uh... had, you and I had corresponded before because you did an interview for the zine, whatever zine I was doing at the time, and then uh, we met at speaking tongues. I think Pello did the actual introduction. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's been forever, you know, um, I've always liked your taste in music from what I could discern from it, because there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of stuff I just absolutely love about, uh, a lot of stuff. Like, it's funny because people, when, when I say people lean metal, they, they kind of think like a stompier kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, you know, for, I don't really consider this band a metal band at this juncture in our career, but clearly they started playing it. But, like, I want to talk with Napalm Death from A Slave Into Obliteration because that record is just – that that's the record for me from the early period, more yeah, so yeah. than Scum. that That's the one I go to. That, you know. That's the standard of all grindcore should be evaluated from that album. You yeah. know, it's, it's like the – you know, it's the holy grail of 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 grind for sure. Because I was able to pick that up in the mentally murdered EP as well with with mixed uh, mustache and his hair and his sunglasses. We, we can we can talk about that, you know. When, <laughs> when yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know if we've started already or what. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh okay. 
Yeah, I mean, we can we can we can talk about that as well. Because when did you first hear that record? Which the from enslavement or yeah, from um, enslavement. So, um, j- just to step back a little bit, um, sure. I when I was graduating eighth grade, so like middle school or junior high school in the American school system and going into high school, my sister was already uh, graduated from college and was living in San Francisco. And I lived in the suburbs with my parents still. And I remember distinctly in a swimming pool, I'm, I'm in the swimming pool, it's summer. And she's at the swimming pool and she's like, what do you want for your birthday? And she, and she, you know, is close to the record stores in San Francisco. I'm like, you're going to, I don't think you're going to be able to find this, but I saw on the back of a maximum rock and roll full page ad for this band that supposedly is the fastest band in the world, faster than DRI, you know, and anything with DRI was like, no way. There's no way if there's a faster band than DRI. And it was Napalm Death Scum. And sure, sure enough, she found it. Like it oh, wow. had like, yeah, it had like a dinged cover, but she found a, a new copy of it for my, uh, for my birthday in eighth grade. And so that would have been, um, what are you 13? So I guess it would have been 87 actually when it came out and, oh um, wow. Yeah. And, uh, and she, she got it and um you know i put it on i couldn't understand it really actually i was trying different speeds i was like oh shit i'm playing this too wrong because the vocals and the guitar are like way too low you know and then i sped it up and i'm like is this the right speed i'm like looking at the labels i'm like is this a misprint and trying to figure it out and i just kind of filed it away and then you know my friends would come over and we'd smoke a little pot and i'd be like hey you want to hear something pretty fucking funny like check this out you know i play that they'd just be like what the you know is the needle grinding on the on the you know the mat or something i'm like no man this is a band dude you know and and it was it took me about two or three months of my like little 12 year old 13 year old mind to wrap my head around of what was going on i was like oh shit there's riffs and there's actually vocals like in this and he's actually singing like that intentionally but there's like lyrics to this and the lyrics are smart and the lyrics are political you know in in a good way and so I just got hooked on Napalm Death. And then when they're, when From Enslavement came out, by that point, I was going to San Francisco with a group of friends and we'd go to this record store called Record Vault in San Francisco, which was this kind of like underground crossover heavy metal store, but they'd import all this stuff from Europe. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to go to the back of the store. And in the back was this like totally curated kind of crossover thrash metal, you know, death metal, like the beginnings of death metal. And, you know, they would have Bathory records and stuff like that. And they had Napalm Death and the limited seven inch that came with From Enslavement to Obliteration. So I got I got a non-gatefold from enslavement to obliteration with the EP. And I remember all of us were running in to try and get in first because we were all, <laughs> you know, and so I, I remember running in as this kid, like just being like from enslavement, from enslavement, from enslavement. I found that on the wall and I found the EP on the wall and I was just like, yes. And I brought it home and it was just like, you know, mind, mind blown. And, and I listened to that record just nonstop, you know, forever. That was just, that was kind of like the, you know, it and it has always been it. I can still listen to this day and I still get shivers up my spine when I hear certain songs or whatever. And um that was like 
you know, that was grindcore. And in the US, you know, it kind of missed. There was no, you know, of course there was no internet and all that kind of stuff. And there were some yeah. people like talking about it, but it didn't appear in any of the metal magazines because we were still kind of like in the Adam Curry headbangers ball era, you know, of like. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wasn't aware of them until Harmony Corruption came out. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the year it came out, like, I, I'm like, oh, this is, this is interesting. And I bought it. And then I went back and listened and I was like, okay, this is, this is not the same thing. Um, one thing I will say, it's funny you're talking about how you're trying to wrap your head around it. I'm glad to hear that you're not the only person that DRI wasn't even enough to prime you for that. I mean, cause you oh, think yeah. about DRI, like that's some pretty radical shit compared to like a lot of other bands, you know, like the early stuff for sure. Hell, even dealing with it, there's like stuff on there where like you play it for something like, what the fuck is this noise? Right. No, but to think that people weren't really ready for napalm, even though they're like, you know, raging to DRI is kind of, kind of wild, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you listen to the dirty rotten EP, the first one that then are, radical records re-released as an lp later of dri you know i mean that's pretty blurry you know they get so fast and the recording is kind of so lo-fi that like you know with the hi-hats open and stuff you can you can hear the beat but it's kind of just blurring you know and stuff yeah. and so that that already was like damn that's like it's so fast but kurt's enunciating every word yeah, You know, Kurt's like kind of singing the lyrics and you can kind of sing along with it and you can kind of follow because they're doing, you know, they're, they're in a traditional punk tune, you know, mm -hmm. they're tuning their guitars kind of higher so you can kind of follow where that's going. But, you know, with Napalm Death and particularly Bill Steer's guitar tone for Side B of Scum and then From Enslavement, it's just so low and the fast beats are all on like the ride and crash cymbal and stuff. And then Lee Dorian's vocals are just so low and the bass is just so distorted. It's just sounds like fuzz, you know, combined, you're just like, what the hell is going on here? You know? Well, I, th so. I think that's the difference between like, you know, DRI actually being an American band and sort of being um, influenced by their surroundings and Napalm Death being directly influenced by UK 82 stuff. You don't yeah. always hear it like for, a lot of people they don't hear that because like oh, there's no D beat here. I'm like, no, there's no D beat, but it's in there. It's baked in there, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. The the early the the demo, the Hatred Surge demo. I mean, that basically sounds like they've been listening to you know K Chaos UK. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of a peace punk, raw punk, crusty. I mean, what we call crust now, even though that wasn't a term at the time. It sounded like that. It wasn't until you know, the, the side a, of what became scum of that demo, you know, that they kind of went into a different direction, you know, and started speeding up and stuff. But I think, I think you're right. I think it's still got that kind of, you know, discharge Y to chaos UK and all those bands kind of bleeding into it.
course a lot of larm as well from the netherlands so yep. you know larm was you know they're all wearing larm shirts on the on the um scum lp so that was a point of reference of just you know trying to play as fast as you can kind of thing which um yeah so that um no one can be that dumb ep that you have on here when did that come out uh 86 i think 86 so yeah. it's contemporary with Napalm, right? I mean, yeah. How long? Yeah. And and my my knowledge of of Larm is not like this virtually non-existent. How long had they been around prior to that record? Well, I think the the split LP with Stanks was earlier. What eighty four? Maybe. Um, let's see if I can even look that up. Sorry if there's like no, it's it's totally keyboard fine. keyboard. Um, yeah, so Campaign for Musical Destruction, the Larm Stank split is 84. Okay. That's pretty early. Yeah, that's – and yeah. Um, I had – there was a CD that came out in the 90s that uh, – in a little digipack thing that Larm did that I had that I really, really liked. I don't know what happened to it, honestly. But um, that was my knowledge of the band. I knew that they were from the 80s. I didn't know how early. So it's kind of wild to think that they – you know, predate Napalm Death as far as that speed. I mean, again, we can talk about DRI too, but um, you know, they're probably like you said, they were wearing the shirt, so they were probably a closer influence for them. You know. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So why that EP over, say, the campaign uh, split? I think I think they've just, you know, if you listen to the early Larm stuff, and this is probably one of the things, you know, when you when you see people who, listening to them and trying to categorize them. I mean, I know, you know, sometimes it's, 
it's helpful for people to categorize stuff. And a lot of the times it's just really forced, you know, but, you know, some people will call it grind core, some people will call it noise core or whatever. But I think the reason why, uh, you know, people look back on it on noise. And even though they were kind of claiming that, the, you know, that all the music symbols are crossed out on the record and stuff, you know, did their, you know, campaign for musical destruction, et cetera, et cetera. Um, was that, you know, they had weird tuning, you mm -hmm. know, they play their guitar and, and, just everything was just very raw and kind of like loose on, on the, the early stuff. And so I can understand why, you know, people would think of it as noise core or like a precursor to grind core. But once you get to, no one can be that dumb. You can hear kind of a more refinement in their playing. And like, I think that really that and their last EP, which is uh, nothing is hard if you dare to scare scale the heights or whatever it's some it's a long kind of positive um title for for their last ep um that too also shows like a more kind of hardcore punk influence where they're kind of playing a little tighter but you know no no one can be that dumb is kind of just this mid moment where you know the, it, it's still got the noise and the speed and the anger and stuff but it's uh you can hear the the chord arrangements and and the the songwriting has gotten you know a, a little a little better in my opinion and stuff and that that was just like the EP where you're just like oh shit this is like as good as it's gonna get you know and of course they influenced other bands and can continue to play and it got better even after you know but for you know at that time it was just like damn this is this is like it you know do you know if uh, the odd tuning was deliberate. On the earliest stuff or was that just what most musicians well not most musicians but what a lot of you know musicians in the i'm gonna say it hardcore milieu <laughs> go through as far as like did, was there ever any commentary about that or uh there might be there might be there there might be something in the in the interviews i mean seeing red continues with that with that tuning and and you know it's not power chords it's kind of like single fret chords on the guitar and stuff and so it, it just has a different ring to it um you know I'm, I'm not a musician so i'm not a trained musician so i don't really right. know the terminology of how to speak about these things um but trust me neither uh, am i i just <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's why that's probably why i'm drawn to all this stuff too is like i'm like man this sound this was recorded on a tape deck and they don't know what they're doing you know i'm like this is perfect i love this you know yeah um, but, uh, but I would assume so. And it, it became their sound for sure. And so when later bands started not necessarily copying their style, but like using them as an influence. So like wrapped or, you know, some other bands, they, they, they kind of, maybe they played in a similar way because the sound is kind of similar in that sense. Or, or there's a band from Spain called Ruido de Rabia. Uh, that did a split with uh, Ultimo Gobierno. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing probably both those names. Um, but their their side of the split too is just, I don't, know, I don't know if they're playing power chords or what, but there's just something going on with the guitar and you can tell it's pure, just kind of like larm influence kind of playing, you know? Yeah. Well, like, you know, to sort of like, sort of keep on the napalm death thing, um, you know, as far as like, Larm, and then uh, we were talking about English bands, and I know they're not really UK eighty two. I think they're more contemporary than Napalm, but like that Heresy face up to an LP is one of oh. 
I, I love that record so much. Yeah. That yeah. and that those guys and really ripcord kind of just real they they scratch all those itches that you know not all the UK 82 bands do and that not all the bands that following Napalm Death do. They sort of occupy this weird sort of middle ground where like they have I mean they're not as fast as Napalm and stuff, but they have all this stuff that's just like just certain hallmarks that are common amongst them. <laughs> that the 30th anniversary remaster version of the LP is pretty great. Yeah, they, you know, they they've been on print a lot saying how much they hated the mix uh of face up to it. You know, but that that's of course the mix that everybody got to know and that I've listened to, you know, thousands of times and so I kind of know that even though I do have to say like if you are playing songs on a podcast, you know, then probably the 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 remastered version is is probably best, but no matter just you know thinking that came out in 88 and so you know compiling this this list i mean one thing that occurred to me was it was all like you know, slightly except for one notable i noticed that most of them are between well not all of them but a bunch a huge chunk of them are between 85 and 90 ish it looks yeah. like a lot of them are so yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, that's that 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 was like my education. You know, that that you know, my my sister gave me records and took me to my first punk show in like '83, and I started oh buying my, my own punk records in like '84, '85. And there was a local venue that my mom was willing to drive me to and drop me off in front of, so I could go to shows. And like, what I was that meeting... first? What was that first show? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but now, oh I'm yeah, like no, no, curious. um. I think there was two shows and they kind of blend into one memory for me. Um, but they were local bands. So there, there was a local kind of like, like goth punk band called half church in, in the kind of the, the Palo Alto mountain view area. Um, there was another band called executioner. Um, I saw social unrest uh, with, Jason Honey on vocals. So like kind of just a little bit before SU 2000 era social unrest. And that was the local scene. And so okay. they all, they all, they all played around this theater called the varsity theater that was in a town adjacent to Stanford university. And so if bands were coming up or going down between San Francisco and LA, they would often stop and play in this theater during the weekday and there was a huge scene of just hundreds, if not thousands of kids from the suburbs that would drive up either from San Jose or Santa Cruz, drive over from the East Bay. And, and so there was like this pretty big scene in this like weird, small suburban town. And that's kind of the scene that um, 
my sister was involved in and that I started exploring because it was just right there. It was just one town over. So I could either, you know, take the bus there or get dropped off there or whatever. Um, so you were what, 10? 10. Yeah. My sister, my sister took me to a show when I, when I was 10 and she was already getting out of it because she was just, she was just about to move out and go to college. And by that point she was more into like stuff like 45 grave and Christian death and like the LA kind of goth punk dark kind of scene. And she's like, here's all these records. And it was like crucifix dehumanization and, and, uh, the first seven seconds EP that she got as a gift. And so, you know, social D mommy's little monster. So it was all this kind of grab bag of stuff. And it was like circle jerks, maybe golden shower of hits, maybe something earlier. I can't remember. So I had all these records and I was just like, you know, listening to them and trying to figure out like what's different between them and what do I like and what do I don't like, you know, are the vocals too extreme or is it, is this heavy metal or is this like, is this, new wave or is this you know so it was just through that just by like listening to those things that were hand-me-downs trying to figure out like what i liked or whatnot that's wild that you're the shows man but it's just like you know that that's the difference between being you know from a from a place where it's more heavily deeply entrenched than you know akron ohio which there's cool stuff but it's just not the same you know sure um, you you know i think um I think when both you and I were getting into it, the sad thing is, is like the, I mean, of course the first wave of punk had long been over, yeah. but the first wave and second wave of hardcore, whether we want to think about that as like black flag and then black flags influence elsewhere, everybody was already sold out. You know, everybody was all like hair metal bands or like doing like classic rock or whatever. Or just stuff. didn't it's, exist anymore. Yeah, it didn't exist, you know, so some of the records existed, but for me, you know, the thing that was kind of happening at that time was like just at the cusp of crossover. And so, you know, it kind of, it kind of um, trained my ear to be a little more open to like metal. And so, mm -hmm. you know, corrosion of conformity or like, you know, a local band that was playing, like once I started actually going to shows, a local band that was opening for a lot of bands was attitude adjustment. So that was just kind of like, oh, they're fast and you know, they could open for DRI, but also they got this, these kind of like metal chunky riffs and stuff, you know? Um, but, you know, then, then I would, I would see all these stickers on guitars and, you know, on the back of like records and stuff. And I'd be like, oh, I got to check that out. And I'd pick it up and it'd be like, by the time that the Necros had gone like hair metal rock, you know, or something. And I'm like, huh, you know, oh, yeah. this is, a, this probably isn't the Necros that, <laughs> you know, I, I, bought, <laughs> I bought Tangled Up thinking it was going to be like conquest for death. Oh, I was so fucking bummed out. I was like, I don't, I, this isn't what I want, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I think mean, it being 86, like, of course, like that was knee deep in the crossover thing. And there were like, you know, all kinds of great records. Like you mentioned COC. I think that's a band that a lot of people because of their later work, which I actually like some of it, you know, um, because they're later work, a lot of people are pretty dismissive of them. Like, no, if you listen to animosity, oh, that's dude, animosity. That record is so it it's there's nothing else like it ever. Yeah, on the face yeah. Of the I mean, and anywhere. and that was like really that was the nexus of crossover. I know I know people, you know, now looking back, you know, we have the lens of municipal waste mm -hmm. to then look back and 
and think of like sped up speed metal, like later eighties, like violence, Bay area, you know, thrash metal, you know, and stuff, but really COC. I mean, that's another band that I was going to put on this list was particularly side B of animosity, the way it's recorded and stuff. I mean, it's, if you listen to that, you can, you know, if you like, later hatred surge you know which i don't know what you would categorize that kind of power violence but kind of like it has death metal riffs and stuff then coc was the hatred surge of like the mid mid 80s so if you like bands like you know hatred surge or in disgust or you know something heavy like that like that was that was coc in the in the mid 80s particularly by the time that animosity came out that was like a game changer for sure so um and yet again yet again nobody sounded like that they all heard it yeah. and they all said oh well, we need to change it up but they didn't try to copy that because like how can you first yeah, of all yeah, totally. first of all most a lot of those guys even though metal bands and some hardcore bands were like good musicians coc those guys are exceptional musicians like yeah. really good musicians so i mean that's that's one hurdle you'd have to cross and then you'd also have to be in whatever lsd they were taking when they made those records i'm convinced that they were high as hell oh i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure they were you know i remember i saw coc and bad brains so it would have been the eye against eye tour of the bad brains which was probably the most violent show i've ever ever seen as a kid i mean i was i was kind of like worried about my safety and nobody ever fucked with me because i was too young you know they nobody knew that you know nobody would ever consider that I had money to rob or I didn't have any like Doc Martens to steal or anything like that. So nobody ever fucked with me, but I mean, I did see people with like broken glass in the pit at that show and stuff. And I was just like, this is, this is not, this is sketchy. You know, it was like skinheads versus long hairs versus everybody in between, you know, Yeah. but the, but COC came out, they dim. So this is at the farm in San Francisco and they dim the lights and they came out to the um Charlie Brown. Oh um I think it's it's called Linus and Lucy. It's that uh Vince Garaldi trio. Yeah, I know exactly yeah, yeah. that song. Yeah. And they came out and they were kind of dancing, like and then and then they just opened with like something off animosity. And it was just like I mean, if the building was set on fire, no one would be surprised at that point. You know, I was just like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I'm sure they were probably all high. You know, at that time. And that might have actually even been technocracy. So they had the singer from, I think, Ugly Americans by that point. So yeah. they weren't even a three piece with uh, with uh, Mike singing. I was um, really super excited when um, I don't know who really said it off as Metal Blade or somebody else when they did that CD where they had early versions of the technocracy EP with Mike singing. And I'm like, these are great. Like, yeah. I was just like, and it that was like, way after that record ever came out and i'm like man yeah. why have they been sitting on this this is awesome yeah, yeah you know speaking of which there's a lot of stuff that got buried in the 80s just because everything was analog and you know but even, so the first singer of heresy which was their guitarist reevesy recorded all the tracks from the split with concrete socks and then once they got the standalone singer, he re-recorded everything. But the, if you listen to all this early Reevesy stuff, that's some of my favorite Heresy stuff is like with Reevesy singing. And so there was a Japanese pressing of that called Never Slit Thanks. 
CD. But I think all that, I think that 85 to 87 collection that came out recently from uh, of Heresy has like these like unreleased recordings. And it's, it's so crazy for those of us who in the pre-digital age just grew up like listening to a record over and over again to the point where like we have memorized every thing from that record and then you hear like the original recording or something with like different vocals and you're like you know it's like a whole new world opens up you know it's it's really i love it when i get to hear stuff like that you know i mean it's just it's super cool i mean it sometimes i have to live with it for a while to like it but i'm still always intrigued by it no matter what you know yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, damaged with like Des singing and stuff, you know, it's like kind of yeah. mind blowing. You're like, whoa, yeah. it's like, it's not Rollins singing, you know, like well, I, I've said this a billion times, like damaged is my favorite black flag record, but it's mostly, you know, Rollins had the good fortune of being in the band at that time. That record was going to be great if Des was singing it. And that, that thing, that compilation is proof of it. I'm like, yeah, of course it's weird. Des is great. You know, I mean, yeah. um, but you mentioned uh, Hatred Surge earlier and uh, yeah. Wolf in Idiot's Clothing. You want to talk about that for a minute? Where did like, what do you t- tell me more about them? I know the name. I don't know anything about the band. Yeah. So the, their later band, much, much yeah. later. And, you know, once, so we're, we're jumping a, a few chapters or genres ahead, but, you know, yeah, they that's were like kind... 2008. So, yeah. Yeah. So they, so, I had started corresponding with Alex, who who was Hatred Surge. It was a one-person band at the beginning. So it was okay. all him recording everything and stuff. And so, but he he was in a bunch of different bands. Alex is good. Alex, hopefully you're not embarrassed by me saying this, but his first and and probably the, the most shining light of the Houston scene at the time was Power Butt. And it was like a young power violence, like fun, funny band called Power Butt that that were just absolutely awesome. And then they did, I'm sure there's a missing bands in between, but, um, you know, they did a band called Machine Gun Romantics and I, I released them on 625. And so they came out to San Francisco and played some shows. I got to know them through that. Um at the time, one of the band members was playing in a grindcore or was starting a grindcore band called Insect Warfare. And so they sent me a demo. Alex yep. started doing his project, Hatred Surge. They he sent me a demo. And so I was like, dude, let's let's put these out. And so, you know, the the Hatred Surge demo and the first EP is just Alex. You know, the first one is just recorded in his bedroom, I think, on a four-track where he's playing everything. And then uh the second recording is in a studio, but it's still just him. And the reason why I chose this song is it just kind of crystallizes, you know, all the songs or all the albums, you know, I, I don't know how to choose five, you know, to, it's not even that these are my favorite songs or even my favorite albums or even my favorite bands, but there's something I think that cuts across all of these where it just distills kind of like what I think is, you know, not only the, um kind of essence of like punk it's all three chords you know but you can do so much with three chords you can speed it up you can slow it down you can hang on a note you can do all the all these emphases and accents that make like a whole 45 second song based on just four chords and so yeah uh you know this hatred surge song is just one of those songs it's not complex it's not you know it's just literally three or four chords 
yeah. rearranged in different different ways. And you know, when you can do that and it comes together, you know, there, there's something where you just it just you know works. And so whenever I hear that, I can hear that to this day. And it, and it's what caught my attention with DRI back in the early 80s and through grindcore, which again is all just three or four chords, but just downtuned. You know, um, that that's been kind of like my the thing that my ears pick up on. I mean, I know it seems like jumping around, um, but one of the things when you're talking about like things just sort of coming together, um, there's a band where I, on your list that I think like sort of has like you're talking about the a culmination of things like Hatred Surge. There's a band like like Infest where I think when I first heard them, they were the culmination of everything that I was looking for. Like. Yeah. I love metal, but they weren't playing metal wrist, but they were executing the hardcore they were playing in a way that I felt like mental, like it just felt like they, not that hardcore bands didn't take stuff seriously, but there was just something about the way they put it out there, the way they executed it that felt more like, yeah, these guys clearly take this super, super seriously, like stop on a dime, you know, and everything was just perfect. And the tempos were insane but you, there were still, you could still hear everything. And yeah. even though, you know, you know, Joe's vocals aren't exactly enunciated. There's a certain like in between of like, I mean, not necessarily Dorian, but like between that sort of aesthetic versus um, what Kurt was doing. Like he's like a yeah. middle ground there. Like he's barking at you, but you get the idea that, oh, he's actually saying stuff. This isn't too yeah. garbled. Yeah, you know, one thing one thing that I think of in in just just to piggyback on that point is listen to Youth of Today break down the walls and yeah. then listen to the first Infest EP. Yep. You know, like <laughs> you know, Ray Capo is like, rah, rah, you know, and people are like couldn't take it seriously at the time. People thought it, you know, but it was just you know, when you're like a little kid, you're like, this is so aggro, you know, this kid, he's fucking pissed, he's breaking down the fucking walls, you know, just like oh, and it's super fast, and they have all these breaks and they have good breakdowns and stuff like that just listen to the first infest ep and you're like oh i can see you know not to say that they're you know a straight edge band or that they're 88 or anything like that they have right. all these different influences sure you know coming from europe most definitely but you know it's not too big of a jump no you know to I, hear i, I that, dare you know? say that ray sounds more unhinged than joe like i, I think <laughs> he sounds a little more like out there on some of the, like because the way he'll he'll drag a he'll drag a note you know in a way that joe isn't you know just just if ever if joe is ever listening to this i will say i will never say that to joe's face <laughs> <You know? laughs> even though even though you know <laughs> uh, 
you know, but I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he would never take, take offense to that or whatever, but yeah, no, the, uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, I think that, you know, on the breakdown, breakdown the walls, it's just, um, there was no vocals at the time that were like that, that did this like kind of weird waving buildup screams and just like, just weird stuff, you know? And so it just, it just sounded like super aggro and pissed. also super positive at the same time which is very very different from infest because you know by yeah. the time that you're reading the infest lyrics it's all kind of apocalyptic to a certain sense i mean there's some posy stuff in there too but you know it's it's pretty negative particularly in the later you know records and stuff but that also translates well into the kind of vocal styles you know that that infest were doing <laughs> I am curious again, like some kind of jumping around seeing what catches my eye a little bit. Um, I know that you probably had a through line here, but you know, um, I don't know much about SOB except that they're from Japan. Yep. And, um, they were pretty influential on a lot of, um, a lot of metal bands. Am I wrong in that? I mean, because it seemed like that's where I heard about them from, not even from hardcore people, but like from metal bands. Yeah, I think, you know, SOB kind of in a similar trajectory, but parallel. I mean, again, I think for a younger generation who um, grew up investigating things on the internet, um, 
you know, this is this is before the internet. This is before email. This is before like a lot of stuff. And so, you know, you just kind of discovered things through magazines and what was in your local record store and just like trying to investigate things on records. But, you know, SOB, so they, their origin is in a city, Osaka, which is outside of Tokyo. They're influenced by a lot of just like the more traditional Japanese hardcore bands, Lip Cream and other bands, but, you know, they, they played it fast. And so all their stuff right out of the gate was, was very fast, but it was punk. It was like three chord punk, you know? Um, And so in that way, you know, you can kind of put them in that, you know, I don't want to say DRI. I don't want to distill everything down to DRI, but like DRI and the influence that DRI had, you know, was kind of a SOB was, you know, picking up on, but putting on their own flavor and stuff, you know, but, but similar to the bands like Heresy or Napalm Death or other bands, they got influenced because then all of a sudden tape trading was happening between the UK and and Japan and stuff that they've they started going more metal and they started going towards grindcore. Okay. And and that's when the SOB Napalm Death split flexi came out. That's when Napalm Death hosted SOB in Europe, you know, and the, these kinds of things. So there was kind of a you know, a, a more international kind of communication at that time over letter writing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Heresy also, you know, would, tr- uh, you know, members would travel to, you know, Japan and pick up records. And so, you know, that's why like Calv put out like Rose Rose and, you know, some other, um, you know, Japanese bands and stuff. And so you, it's right around this time, like the second half of the eighties is like what, particularly between the UK and, Japan, there was this influence. So, you know, the first two SOB records, um, EP, uh, Leave Me Alone, uh, LP, Don't Be Swindle, you know, are fast, hardcore, like punk records. They're not grindcore. You wouldn't say that they're grindcore. But once you start getting towards the later 80s and particularly an album called What's the Truth, um, you know, that you start hearing like metal riffs and and things like that. Um, But for me, you know, it's the early stuff that I, I tend to prefer, you know, that the the early, the, the leave leave me alone and don't be swindled era stuff just because it's just you know it's kind of like what i grew up on
Yeah, a lot. A, Japanese hardcore is a huge blind spot for me, like huge, just because it never. I and I don't want to say I didn't know anybody was into it. You know me being from Ohio, Northeast Ohio. You know I know people who are into it, but um, I just it was something that escaped me completely. But Sob was a name I had. I was seeing when I was way younger. I'm like, oh, yeah. there's this Japanese metal band. And, you know, but then somebody said, no, they're like more of a hardcore band. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, but I heard about them through metal circles and things like that. So um, what you're yeah, they, kind of what you're saying is like their trajectory was a little bit like Napalm's and that they sort of kind of flew in that direction a little bit. Yeah. And once, once they connected with each other, they, they influenced each other. So yeah. there was a direct influence there, but you know, it's interesting all at that time, kind of like the mid eighties, like all these bands started speeding up and these newer bands started speeding up. So, you know, I had also suggested the brain death uh, EP, very fast female fronted uh, band uh, chicken bowels, you know, by the late eighties, you have these other bands, deathless Mus, and just all these bands, mad conflicts and, that that kind of didn't do necessarily cross over. They weren't too metal, but they there was metal in their wrists, but they were like playing faster and shorter and stuff. And but you know, the thing is, is at that time, like none of that stuff was available. Like you couldn't find any of that right. in a record store or a mail order. You heard a little bit about it through Puss Zone and Thrashers. So Pusshead was writing about some of these bands. And uh, actually some, that might be about that might be where I first sort of SOB now that I'm really thinking about it. It would have to be through Puss Zone. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, that 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 was so important specifically for introducing Japanese bands. And then once he started releasing and doing artwork for Japanese bands from Gastunk to, you know, the four-way, uh, you know, Thrash LP with like Alto and, you know, and all these bands and stuff that's the only introduction you know the only other way that i heard some of this stuff was through tape trading mainly through the uk and i'm not actually sure even how the uk was getting some of these records but um but yeah you know it's just you, you you'd get these songs on a 90 minute tape that your friend sat down and curated for you and wrote the super long letter and wrote out all the song titles on the cover of the blank tape cover you know and you you would record stuff from your local area yep. and you'd trade these tapes and you know two two songs halfway through this 90 minute tape would be these bands from japan and you're just like holy shit like where do i find this you know and there's no there's no way you can find it anywhere um you know that that's all you had and so you just rewind over those two songs and like record it onto another blank tape to give to your friend and then they would record it and there'd be like some 10th generation you know tape floating around that everybody was listening to you know or whatever yeah i mean there was a lot of that you know when i was first getting into it because there were some records that by the time I first started buying records, you know, collectors were already like, if you wanted an EP by a band that you love, you're out of luck, you know? So that's, that might account for why the Japanese bands were definitely a blind spot. Cause at least with the other bands, I was getting tape copies and I wasn't really tape trading with people, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely, God, I forgot how influential Puss Zone was like. Yeah. In the, Thrasher all, magazine. Yeah. Was, all you know? the fucking skate rock comps. I mean, yeah. Everybody Volume was three, Wild yeah. Rider of Boards. That that I mean, like that is a great snapshot of like, you know, 
you don't think of that as like skate rock bands like christ on parades on it you know you wouldn't think you wouldn't reduce christ on parade to like a skate rock band but i mean it was just like if you listen to wild riders of boards volume three i mean that's just like that is a great absolutely great comp and that kind of encapsulates the scene particularly in san francisco that was happening right when i was starting to be independent enough because I was becoming older enough where I was able to take the bus and go to shows and see these bands. And so that comp was like the bands that were playing opening for touring bands and stuff that were happening at the time. It's like such a, such a good comp. And, you know, now it's just so crazy to think like where a lot of skate culture has gone since then, you know, um, with I, only have, that, you know. I only have read Thrasher because the, uh, the music coverage. And my young my younger brother was a skater. I never skated. Um, so Thrasher was Northern California, correct? And Transler was the LA. Yep. Got it. Okay. Got it. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh I'm gonna use that as a cheap segue to talk about um the first pick on here, suicidal tendencies, memories of tomorrow from by my estimation, the only record that's by them that's really worth owning. That's yeah. that. That's just me. I mean, I, I there are a lot of people who ride hard for the later stuff, and I'm like, okay, that's cool, man. But it, it's it's always the first one. You know? Oh, sure, yeah, you yeah. Know? That's a um, that that record. Uh, I put it on. I put it on. It's it's not a perfect record. Like not every song. No can you go back to now and listen to, but if you listen to some of the, and you know, it, it was also just, um, I think the reason why I put that on the list again, this, this is not like my favorite bands of all time, nor even my favorite records, but thinking back about like kind of what influenced me at the time, I think that was the first record, you know, I would go. So there was a chain called tower records, in our area and yep. there was somebody who was working there in the mountain view chain that curated a massive two aisle punk section and i don't know how they were able to wholesale these records but there was like international records there and there was there's just tons of hardcore and you'd have to go through these two aisles and just try like you didn't know it wasn't like you know there was a sticker on this saying this is melodic or this is gothic or this is like post it was a crapshoot. Yeah, it was a crapshoot. So you're like looking at like, okay, what's got the most song titles? What t-shirts are they wearing? Who do they thank on the thanks list on the back? You know, you're, you're trying to kind of like investigate and do a little bit of research. And Suicidal Tendencies, I think I had seen some older kids, maybe 83, 84, with the, with, with the writing on their jackets, Mm -hmm. in the local high school and i was like oh shit you know one that's like super threatening term to write you know and have out yeah. in public you know i'm sure like teachers and parents like hate that so this must be pretty cool you know and then and then i finally found that record at the tower records i think it was something that i bought myself i had discovered it myself and i had like missed on a bunch of stuff earlier and then i brought that record home you know, you unseal the shrink wrap and you're like looking at all these like crazy pictures and all this kind of like pretty juvenile now, but at the time, like pretty, you know, pretty threatening subject matters on the, on the, on the, on the songs and stuff. And, um, sorry, my, my cat. No, I'm clocking, I'm clocking right your cat. This. It's totally fine. <laughs> okay. Come here. 
come here come here she knew she knew we were talking about suicidal so she was like oh, there oh, you I go gotta yeah get, i gotta get in on this come here my child come here yo come here come yeah, like you, you talked you, you mentioned how like a lot of stuff doesn't hold up i mean the hook for me the buy-in was somebody played i saw your mommy for me and i'm like what I've never heard anything like this. And it was, I didn't really like it. I was like, well, this is kind of dumb, but yes, who sings about this? So then I got the record and I'm like, oh, the rest of this is like amazing, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, a a buddy of mine down the street turned me on to them and I was, he was like, oh, you like fast stuff? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, you need to hear this. And he played something like this song isn't fast. He's like, no, the rest of the record is. And I said, well, okay, well, this song is kind of dumb, but um, yeah. It it, you know, it was a hook. I was like, well, who would sing this, you know? And then sure enough, like the rest of it was so good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pr- particularly memories of tomorrow, you know, like when you're, when you're 11 or 12, you know, and you contemplate, you know, I mean, one that, that is this kind of, you know, a typical punk theme that now, unfortunately is our, just like our general kind of zeitgeist that is, evident everywhere in society and culture but you know punk i think was the first to like really put this out there was like there's no future yeah you know like we can't imagine a better future now like we can't imagine any alternative to the shit that we're confronting now and so you know in this kind of like really juvenile adolescent way suicidal tendencies is like you know environmental degradation like just horrible crap that's the future that we're all living in and you know you know, if you could see the future, you'd know why, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So like, you know, this kid's like channeling some kind of like future vision to know like how horrible the future is. And, you know, there you are sitting in sixth grade, all like alienated and hating your teachers and hating other people. And you're just like, fuck, yeah, that's so cool, man. Like <laughs> the future's fucked, man. You know. <laughs> and me- meanwhile, then you get to the future and you're like, oh, this is so, this sucks. <laughs> kind of the sad thing is like well, know, I mean, this you, is a completely you, different topic but yeah, yeah i mean yeah we, we can well we no, can no 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 that, that's cool because i was i was gonna say you know that and then we talked about them before technocracy i mean it's like that was 87 88 ish 87 when yeah. you're talking about that and i'm like huh okay yeah you know and um yeah i mean they were that record is like really good and it's funny how how much i i 
I read about the vitriol people had towards that band when they were like when they first came out, but they seem to be like pretty much universally beloved by a lot of different. Oh, COC? No, 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 I'm I'm sorry. Stepping back to suicidal. Oh, suicidal. Like the first record, oh, yeah. people I mean, were angry about them, but um, now it seems like people really just that record really seemed like kind of like everybody sort of kind of agrees on that record a little bit. Well, here here's the extremely parochial, limited, uneducated Max Ward take on that record. Um, you know, and this is probably does not accord with the reality of what influenced them and their surroundings and the actual significance of that record. So this is completely just my own uneducated opinion, but you know, that, that record came out, it was pissed. It was fast. Uh, it was people of color. Yeah. You know, uh, the images were of people living in not, the suburbs even though you know it was the suburbs but you know it was a mix of you know particularly the the venice welcome to venice stuff you know and that particularly you know for people on the west coast you know like there was a strong appeal you know for that for all different kinds of reasons kind of the kind of the you know multiracial multicultural kind of like west coast fast aggressive hardcore band that took on kind of like gang images which was something that you know was around that you saw and so it was like drawing upon kind of like the the environment that one witnessed you know and and i should say too and and again this is just my own uneducated unresearched explanation of something that i probably shouldn't even be talking about you know by the time that you get to the mid 80s and you start looking at the pictures of the bands that really influenced me, like Nagazione from Italy or Heibel or Heresy or Larm, they're all wearing bandanas. They're all wearing flannels. Yeah. You know, they've co-opted, I think, they've reappropriated, you know, what was something specific to kind of like, you know, a a... Uh, a immigrant culture within California, within the West Coast, particularly, could be associated with gangs or criminality. But you know that that's the negative stereotype of it that was reappropriated and like turned into kind of like a punk aesthetic. And you know they were, all those bands were kind of like trying to play, you know, fast. And some of them were kind of crossover like Heibel and and stuff. And they just reappropriate it and then put different lyrics to it and kind of made it, you know, smarter and faster and, and more aggressive. And, you know, that's what kind of came around to influence me more. But, you know, I, I too, you know, when I took that suicidal tendencies record home and listened to it for the first time, it was just kind of like some kind of whole world opening, you know, it was like, Oh shit, this is like, this is some like delinquent shit. You know, this is like, my teachers are going to hate this. Everybody around me is going to hate this. My parents are going to hate this. Like most of the people at school that I hate are going to hate this, that this is great, you know? And like, this is like fast and some of the songs are stupid, but that's okay because I'm pretty stupid too, as like a young juvenile, you know, so it's singing along to like, I saw your mommy or whatever, you know, it had this, but it was, it, it had this yeah. weird intersectionality between like you said, like gang culture and then like stupid punk rock and then guys trying to speak about stuff that not everybody talked about, maybe not so eloquently. And also 
you know, the skate thing, because there was that was a thing. But also they touched on like Satanism a little bit. Like they're like, you know, the pentagrams and stuff. And like yeah. it, it, that was more just like this is sick shit kind of Satanism yeah. as opposed to like Bathory or Celtic Frost, right? But um yeah. like they just touched on all the stuff that everything a dude my age at that time would have been like, Yeah, this is awesome. Just yeah. like you. It's just like, yep, I love it. This is great. Yeah. It's a Yeah, the graphics. It's, yeah. It's offensive. It's stupid, but it's kind of smart and it's just gonna make everybody mad. So yeah, it's it's skulls and it's skateboarding skeletons, you know, that you find out later was drawn by Lance Mountain, you know, this like pretty like goofy dude. But you know, at the time you're like, oh shit, that, oh, that Lance looks Mountain. pretty gnarly. Lance I Mountain did I, some of the artwork. I believe Lance Mountain drew the drew like the cholo skate skeleton grinding the pool. If I I mean, you know, again, I I hope I am not talking out of my ass right now. Again, like I, I say all of this as far as like unresearched. You're, you're in good company. I talk out of my ass all the time. So. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure somebody <laughs> somebody's going to email me after listening to this or put in a comment section or whatever. They're just going to be like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. And I fully, fully admit to that. But, you know, I think I think a lot of the um, particularly at the very early time before they kind of like went funk metal uh some of some of the hatred or some of the vitriol towards suicidal was that um you know when they toured they also brought uh kind of like a kind of a hardcore gang with them mm-hmm. if i if i remember correctly it might have been fff i can't remember but you know there was like a presence at shows and it was kind of intimidating and all this kind yeah. of stuff so i yeah, this is before my time but i would hear you know, from people like when suicidal would come up to Northern California, like, you know, they're, they're, you know, it was probably like Boston going to New York or something, you know, there was like, right. okay, like, you know, we're going to have to be on the lookout, you know, for possible confrontations or whatever. So I, I know a lot of people had criticisms, you know, of that, but again, you know, when you're young, not too bright, like myself, you know, then yeah. you just, you know, you're just like, oh man, this is like, delinquency i love this and it's skulls and talking about shooting the devil and you know and like possessed to skate and you know you're just like oh you know who doesn't love skulls yeah who doesn't everybody love loves skulls, skulls. i mean seriously that, yeah i've got skull tattoos yeah. all over me so it's yeah. like you know yeah. hey um yeah. all right well hey man i know we didn't really get the lack of interest but i'm gonna put that song on there because uh in the pod because i love lack of interest keep you too terribly long um i think that man this is a lot of fun and like i said i I love talking to people who have like a much deeper knowledge of certain things than i do because like there are a lot of blind spots you know um i'm gonna look into brain death because uh you mentioned um 
and that is totally intriguing to me now. It's a great EP. And I think, I think there's even, I think, you know, people now in the digital age have uploaded some live videos. And so um, they, uh, I, I think there might even be some live videos on the internet of, of them and, and whatnot, but that that's all stuff that I learned about later. And, yeah. you know, again, the, I, I, I don't even really know much about the stuff that we were talking about, you know, all I can speak about it is from my own passion for it which may cross over the threshold of passion into like you know stupid exuberance you know like not right. knowing what i'm talking about but well I'm like i mean still I, like, and and that you know. that's that's how i mean it i mean there are a lot of people out there who uh are real academic about stuff and i'm not as interested about that like i don't necessarily care that that was actually released in 81 versus 82 and there were only three on red vinyl i don't i don't give a shit about that Right. Yeah. But like if someone likes something a lot, I'm interested in hearing about that. So and oftentimes I walk away from most of these episodes with something new to check out. And that's kind of my selfish aside from it being a way to get through COVID when I started this. Yeah. Um, but it was also like, you know, I'm, I, my music playing music slowed down greatly for me. Um, I wasn't doing anything during COVID. And I'm like, you know what, if I just want to talk to people about music. So I really appreciate it. And um, I'm glad we were finally able to get this together. Sorry for yeah. all the hangups and stuff. So, Hey, you know. it, it, life, you know, life, yeah. man. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you th th inviting me to, to chat and, you know, I apologize uh, in advance if, you know, <laughs> what I said was incorrect completely. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of people listening out there. Be Listen, like, that's it, wrong. That year's wrong. That's wrong. That influence is wrong. The, that context the, is completely misunderstood. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, to, to the jerk off who's out there doing that, you don't have to listen. Just don't. Yeah. Just stop. Oh, just no. stop. All right, that's it. That's all I got for you. I want to thank Max for hanging out for a while and uh, making this happen. And uh, again, like I said, I know I say it a lot, but I do have a lot of fun recording these, but I especially had fun uh, talking with Max. Again, it's been a while, so it was nice to catch up. Uh, if you want to catch up with me, 
you can on Instagram at uh, bleachmouth underscore postscript. Uh, Facebook bleach at bleachmouth postscript. And the email is bleachmouthps at gmail.com. Uh, I don't fuck with Twitter, although I'm considering it because uh, I kind of wonder if I could reach more folks if I did. But unfortunately, I don't know if I want to play in those foul dark waters that is uh the twitter verse um yeah you can uh, listen to all the past episodes uh the website is bleachmouth.mkultrazine.com uh there's a bunch on apple podcast oh all of them are on apple podcasts uh there are other podcatchers where you can uh check it out uh please uh rate review subscribe share with your friends i guess that shit sort of matters as far as the visibility of podcasts go and i'd like to keep doing this so because um, like i said i have a lot of fun doing these so anyway uh i will uh see you on the other side thanks